0: Welcome to another edition of Speaking of Strong Style. I am Stephen Conway along with Jeremy Feinstone. This is the show where we talk about the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan, pro wrestling. And we had a lot of events and a lot of news to talk about this week. Um, it's uh, Here is the Pi Day edition uh, on uh, here March 14th of the show. Uh, and I, it's also tomorrow's Ted Lasso Day. I've got my Richmond uh, AFC jersey on here. I'm ready for the new season. Uh, I'm also going to be going to the Champions League game tonight with Austin FC, so i a feeling a soccer mood. We've got uh, March Madness going. It's a wonderful time here. This is a lot of fun and uh, a lot of shows, Jeremy. Uh, we had some progression, a little information here to go with the Bullet Club's direction, but not everything yet. Just kind of teasing us along. Uh, and we're going to talk about these shows and these matches, but overall this week, it was a very interesting run of New Japan shows. I have to stop you first here. You threw
1: out a trifecta of nerd alerts here, which you never do.
0: No, you I, went, I Friday, went hard this week. I went hard this week. High
1: Day, Ted Lasso, and what, uh, Man- Manchester FC? Did, is that what I got?
0: Ooh, no, uh, well, close, close. I, I have season tickets to Austin FC here. Austin in town FC. To, our, but we have a Champions League game today uh, to, to go to tonight. So I'm excited you, about it. You know I rep movie. the nerd.
1: So when you go nerdy on your passion, I am all about it. So <laughs> I just... You're coming with the right energy today. I think that's good. I think we have new Japan Cup stuff to talk about. Some interesting, some pretty boring. <laughs> nothing, nothing bad. Though. Like, yeah. I don't want to say it's bad, but uh, we have conversations, we have great stuff, we have good stuff. Let's get to it.
0: Well, we certainly have a mixed bag, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Bullet Club leadership controversy, the United Empire's very strong first round. And then not so great second round for the UE, but we'll a lot to talk about on that. And then, of course, we're going to be moving forward with the multiverse. We're going to be talking about uh, possible Okada opponents. A lot to get into in this one. wanted to mention also that this will be available as a podcast. Word is, Jeremy, that the Apple podcast issue is resolved. So Ooh. I can finally say... That I, when we put this up tonight, you can get this wherever you get your podcast by Crikey. I've been waiting to say it for so long. It's so, ground Groundhog uh, anyway, Day
1: from Caddyshack
0: right now. I'm very, very pumped up about it. So we will uh, be going over that and things. So, uh, you know, don't forget Absolutely. to look for us there as well. So, yes. New Japan Cup. Now, we're just going to go because this is a tournament and, and one show leads to the next. We're going to go over this in order. I figure what we do, Jeremy, is focus on the New Japan Cup matches, of course, and then just kind of give our general thoughts on the undercards here. And uh, there are some interesting things going on with that and that they have been teaming up El Phantasmo and David Finlay. David Finlay, of course, recently announced as basically the de facto leader of Bullet Club, or at least the self-appointed one or ghetto-appointed one in storyline and in in real life i suppose but el fantasma not too thrilled with it and is hinting with, uh, at a lot of dissension here so that's the main thing i took from the first show since our last program here on speaking of strong style it was on the 8th in fukushima uh this was not their greatest show uh, the attendance on this one was 720 uh there, there was some interesting stuff here though and uh the first one was that bullet club match it was match number two jeremy it was Finlay, phantasmo chase owens and kenta taking on just four guys that would be taichi yoshinobu kanemaru takami shinoku and doki and what we had here was phantasmo playing this like he's not mad at Finlay personally his issue seems to be that they all agreed according to him that Jay would be willing to, or they would be be allowed to ride off into the sunset. Jay White would be willing to ride off into the sunset. Of course, we saw, and you saw in person there in San Jose, that David Finlay whacked him over the head with a shillelagh and sent him on his way, then came out with Ghetto. And it seems like that hasn't sat well with El Fantasmo. He hesitated on the two sweet hand signal. Uh, He wouldn't tag Finlay. Uh, He didn't break up a submission hold on Finlay. When Finlay was in there, he sort of, persuaded him more that he should just go ahead and tag even though he was stuck in the submission hold and uh in the end of course uh the, is being booked very strongly he got the tra- trash panda win over takamichi noku elp left early we're going to talk about this as it goes on because each day was a little bit more of a chapter here how how did you feel watching how they played this this sort of simmering uh hostility between el Fantasmo and Finlay.
1: I mean, you could read the room last week and you were thinking either this is all like fans uh, are like brewing in the Bullet Club or ELP is turning baby face. And we're still completely unsure of what exactly is happening right now because you cannot just assume that what is happening in Bullet Club is exactly what is perceptionally happening for the fans. They, uh, they have a way of tricking you if it will or, or making you feel like a fool forever thinking what you saw was happening to be, be the case elp has a lot of potential to babyface uh just when he was riding with the young bucks at forbidden door last year the energy that they had all together uh he felt like he could hang with them and that's that's a main event act right there uh for one so where it's going i don't know do i like where it's going yes Do I think that Finley is going to remain the leader of Bullet Club? More than likely. Where ELP ends up in all of this is going to potentially benefit ELP in the long run, whether it's the story of a long con babyface turn or a short-term babyface turn. Uh, I think the fans are just going to get behind him no no matter what the direction is with him. So I don't know, but I'm interested.
0: And we're going to talk more about how this develops and where I feel this is going to go after we get through a few more shows, because yeah. it evolved a little bit every night. I will say this for new Japan. They did not do just the same thing each night. It was it, this progressed. And once it gets to the end of that, any of my thoughts on what I think might be going on here with that. We'll, uh, we'll find out if I'm right. Uh, the rest of the undercard I thought on this show was uh fairly standard stuff. Uh, although uh, pretty high quality, the, Leo Rush Hiromu Takahashi clashes continue to be a highlight of every program right there. I, I cannot wait for the singles match. It's coming up the 21st. And I can't I'm really looking forward to it. The just the quickness and they are already starting to form a little bit of chemistry in there as far as being able to guess what the other guy is about to do, which you never really get in the first few matches, but boy, they're starting to pick up on it, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch. Any other notes from the undercard before we get to the cup matches on this show? I feel
1: like Jeff Cobb and uh, United Empire in general on the undercard have had really strong showings, and I don't know if that's um, if that's just because they're highly motivated to for for whatever reason, but everybody. Everybody has been showing up, even when it wasn't a singles match with their name on it.
0: That's exactly I have that note as well, that the United Empire really worked hard every night. And even in times when they could have gotten away with doing a lot less, granted, they were pushed hard in the opening round of this tournament. And we're going to talk more about that as we go through it so they were motivated to look good because they were being made to look good in the entire thing so they were going to wrestle hard but even when they didn't have to their preview matches were really strong throughout the week just good stuff chaos also a little bit more than usual uh, this week i thought we got i thought we got more from them than we usually do so in fukushima the two cup matches we had uh, mark davis and toroyano and evil and ren narita now we have house of torture and we have toroyano this didn't bode well, Jeremy, for, for uh, high-quality matches here. So let's talk about Mark Davis and Torriano Yano first. That was the first one. Uh, Yano and Davis were going back and forth doing Yano hijinks there. Fletcher interfered a little bit, and Yano ended up taping him with the wrist tape to the rail. Uh, Davis chased Yano or lured Yano under the ring and ended up putting a hood over him. Yano, of course, came out with this hood over him, and he's scared of the dark, and he's staggering around. Apparently, he doesn't know how to take a hood off of his own head. Uh, And uh, my only note is really bad so far at this stage. (laughs) Uh, You got a little bit of amateur wrestling from Yano. Uh, Fletcher slid a chair into the ring. Uh, Davis shoved down Marty Asami. Uh, Yano faked being hit with the chair, and I thought they might do the DQ here. Thankfully, he didn't. He attempted a low blow while Marty argued with Fletcher. However, that was caught by Davis Uh, Davis, a very big man to hit an Enzugiri, but he did. And then he hit a move that I can only really think of as a reverse Samoan drop kind of uh, up on his shoulders and splattered him on his face there a little bit. Uh, It was a pin uh, for Mark Davis. He moves on in the tournament. Torriano, thankfully is eliminated, but (laughs) Mark Davis is not a miracle worker. And he, did not get a very good match out of Toro Yano, but that I don't fault Mark Davis for that. This was uh, a long 12 minutes and 33 seconds for me.
1: I guess the finish is called the water slide. So it's kind of a uh, part part half, part Coriolis. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh Mark Davis is a big dude. He uh, he he had to get forward in this match, and Toro Yano was the path to do it. And when you have a Toro Yano match. There are a lot of people that massively deride Toriano and just, like, it's not for them. And it, it's not for me either, but I consider it almost like a Harvey Dent 50-50 kind of thing. You flip a coin, Torriano's moving on, or he's losing. But you know what you're getting, and it's a bullshit match in some way, shape, or form in order to advance the plot. There are, there are clowns and jokers in every uh, – Wrestling company people that are just X factors. Toriana, if that X factor, we only had to deal with him in one cut match. I'm considering myself incredibly lucky when all of a sudden.
0: Okay, fair enough. <laughs> and then we moved on to Evil and Ren Narita. Oof. So, Oof. <laughs> so we had 18 a lot. Live... Eight minutes
1: and forty four seconds.
0: <laughs> Man, that's about thirteen forty four longer than this needed to be. Oh. Uh, evil, a lot of red shoes spots, uh, none of which were particularly good. Uh, there was a, a ref bump with uh Narita's leg, so one of those things where N- Narita went to kick evil, evil caught the leg and threw it around to red shoes. And as you know, whenever evil is wrestling, the referee has to stand as close to evil as possible so that he can get involved with all these spots that never happen any other time and uh togo interferes dick togo interferes you got the chair spot with the baseball swings where he puts the chair around narita's neck swings the other chair an additional chair like a baseball and and hits him in the uh, apparently uh breaking his neck you know that whole thing um Guerin kicked out of that so they made narita look pretty tough and uh, he would put uh, the everything is evil on him to get the win then put him in a boston crab after it, you know this wasn't great, and I suppose it can lead to something that I was hoping we were also past, which is House of Torture being involved in this <laughs> with a six-man tag match titles. so I guess we're going to go back to that. Um, I know House of Torture have to be somewhere on the card here, and I understand that they also like to push evil in this tournament. Uh, so I suppose this had to happen this way, but uh, you know, this... This isn't New Japan's strong suit. All these ref bumps and interference, they don't tend to look smooth. They tend to be illogical, and and they just don't work for me, Jeremy. And uh, this was another example of one. I thought that Red Shoes has to go so far out of his normal routine to try to make it look like he's not seeing all of this. And it just doesn't really do it for me and, and and i don't think the crowd is really that into it either it didn't sound like they were
1: this is one of those time to take your medicine kind of matches it has a meek to an end it does feel like Ren narita is on the upswing and Evil faction is on the downswing and so they're they're intersecting in the mid card evil used to be on the upper upper mid card now he's just kind of trending downwards, and that uh, speaking of strong style, are adopting some faction. Uh, he is on the upswing, they have the Never Trios title. He's with Minoru Suzuki and Desperado. Uh, they already have the title. Chances are this loss is to uh strengthen them with a, another win over House of Torture and move on to something else. You know, I'm kind of eyeballing some of those guys from United Empire, maybe challenging. For mm. the uh the for the never title, I'm getting a vibe of uh, Ocon and Cobb, and maybe somebody else over there to kind of be in a program come forward because they don't really have anything. If mm. you could map it out, so there are there are things ahead and things to kind of scratch your uh, scratch your head and say, hmm. Hopefully, this is a very quick revisit before we move on to the next big thing. But if if this is the win that Evil gets to kind of Embolden the strong style faction to be greater than the house of torture. I'm for it because it was a bullshit win. It was not a clean win, and it was not something that you look at of like, oh, Red Narita is the worst for this coming out. Of it.
0: Yeah, although this tour hasn't been very kind to Narita. He said it taken some losses here in this one. Uh, he'll he'll take another one later in the week. That was uh, a high heard...
1: profile one, and he did look good coming
0: out. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And we move on to the 10th in Kofu, Yamanashi. Uh, attendance here for, was a 710? This is Shingo Takagi's hometown. And on the undercard of this one, we did see uh, a clever spot, I thought. I had one note on this just for guys, uh, Taichi and Yoshinobu
1: <laughs>
0: against Evil and Dick Togo. I enjoyed this one. Now, the, now, like I said, I just crapped on House Torture, so I'm going to give them props when they do something I enjoyed. Uh, Dick Togo went to get kanemaru's whiskey it was a big week for suntory whiskey they got a lot of screen time the suntory a lot of suntory surprises big prop
1: big prop this week
0: <laughs> togo uh took a big swig and was about to spit it onto Kanemaro. however taiichi came up from behind and covered his mouth so he couldn't spit it out evil then went to kick Kanemaro. kanemaru caught evil's leg and threw it into dick togo's stomach thus ejecting the whiskey from his mouth into evil's face and i'm not doing it justice this was actually done very smoothly and and it looked really good so i just thought okay that i can handle like this is an entertaining way of doing it that's some cloud uh,
1: shit you can get behind
0: (laughs) oh yeah a little bit and there were a couple other instances of that were just for guys and uh the uh house of torture got into a suntory whiskey battle that uh, was pretty good i gotta say that they the guys spent a lot of time thinking of ways to get hit in the stomach, spit whiskey in in random places and things. It was, this was more entertaining than that usually is. So uh, yeah, there's that one. Um, the next one was I was highly bullet.
1: entertained by the next one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was also good. So we had the six band tag champs teaming up with Ryusuke Taguchi. That's right. Coach, Coach Taguchi. <laughs> and Ryusuke Taguchi together on one team against Finlay, Kenta, Chase Owens, and Al Phantasmo, that group there from, Bullet Club. So, once again, uh, El Fantasmo did not break up a submission when Finlay was in it. He was in the ankle lock from Taguchi, which has finished matches before, once upon a time, when Taguchi was to be taken seriously. And in this one, Taguchi, though, (laughs) called out some of the coach's signals. Suzuki had none of it whatsoever, and Taguchi stood outside the ring and moped most of the time right there. His, (laughs) His feelings were deeply hurt.
1: I... The whole, the whole dynamic of Taguchi just being a geek that they were just not having any, they were not entertaining any of it and his hurt feelings. In the meantime, like the Bullet Club not being on the same page actually allowed the Strong Style faction to have an advantage through the entirety of this match was a highly entertaining dynamic that I'm not exactly sure would have worked at any other period of time in New Japan Cup history or (laughs) New Japan history. So well done finding the singular moment to make this match happen and maybe never happen ever again.
0: (laughs) It was fun. And the other thing about it was throughout the week, uh, ELP was baby-facing with the crowd. And as they left the ringside area, of course, Finlay is being the big jerk. He's the heel, uh, classic heel, telling all the fans to shove it when El Phantasmo sees that somebody's made a little sign for him or something like that, he goes over and does the two sweet sign to them. He's, he was kind to them while Finlay was just a big old jerk face. So that was the uh, dynamic there as they, as they left uh ringside. And once again, it was a thing where they're just not quite getting along that would manifest itself into something a little bit more physical on the next show.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I think the next show is the one that I highly enjoyed, the shenanigans of the Bullet Club, but we'll get to that at some point.
0: Uh, we had a better than usual match uh, next, uh, and a better than usual. These are all good workers, but again, it's a preview tag. That is uh, United Empire, uh, Great Ocon, uh, Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, and Mark Davis. They got a win over Goto, Ishii, Toriano, and Tomoaki Honma. Cobb defeated Honma on that one, but Will and Ishii really decided to uh, go at each other and have a, a real nice match for 11 minutes and four seconds. This one was fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I. Um, this is one of those matches that you, you were going through and you're watching United Empire, and they were just locked in, both as a faction, able to work with each other, and at the same time, uh, just working with Hanma, Ishii, Goto. I'm not really going to say Yano, because Yano is just, fucking around for all the match doing the auto shit mm-hmm. but uh seven of the eight i felt like delivered as promised on this match and so i i was for it i'm glad Cobb got to look strong before his unfortunate later time in the cup but for now good times
0: there you go and then uh, we also had Uh, Tama Tonga, Shoto Umino, Yo, and Leo Rush against L.I.J., that being Naito, Sonata, Hiromu, and Bushi. And uh, Shooter got the win there, Shoto Umino did with an STF uh, to get ready for his match with Zack Sabre Jr., one I'm looking forward to in the next round. From there, we went to the New Japan Cup matches here. And that first one was Kyle Flesher over Yoshihashi. 10-minute match, but it felt... Uh pretty exciting while it was going. I thought this was real good. Fletcher had the advantage early. It was a good match overall. Yoshihashi sold a lot earlier and then lost. My one critique of Yoshihashi in this Jeremy is I wish he would wrestle a little more aggressive when he's doing a job because it seemed like in this match that he gave a lot to Fletcher early and then he lost and uh he lost to a jumping tombstone, which looked terrific I mean, that was that was a good looking move I do own- move my only thing about this though is i just wish that he would take control of the match and have the advantage more of it when he's going to lose it just felt like it wasn't a squash by any means Uh, yoshihashi got a lot of stuff in and it was good again this was not a bad match my one advice piece of advice for yoshihashi over there is look a little meaner a little tougher a little stronger when you're going to be laying down because so, if you sold like the first half of the match and then got a couple of minutes of offense and then lose at the end, it's, it could be, it could he could have made himself look a little better here.
1: That's interesting. I didn't really see I didn't really see that. But now that you mentioned it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, he, there are times where he doesn't feel very collaborative with uh, opponents in the ring. He's just kind of, uh all right, do what you want. And then I'll follow along. And there might've been a little bit of that in here because this was the Kyle Fletcher spotlight hour, Kiyoshi Hashi, instead of all right, I'm gonna give you a bunch and then you're gonna give me a bunch so you sell and you know, it, it, it makes you look strong in some ways. Um, he's kinda like, All right, well it make you look strong. And it, in a in a big match setting, sometimes that doesn't that doesn't capture the fans as much as you want it to. And so the the match was, may have been a little disjointed on that. I thought it was fine. I thought uh, Fletcher's other match with the member of Bishamon was better than this, but I couldn't put my finger on why. And I think maybe what you, uh, what you explained could have been the reason.
0: Moving on to the main event of the night, we had Aaron Hanare versus Shingo Takagi. <laughs> now, this one was everything you thought it would be. Hanare... He put his Muay Thai training to uh, work in this one because some of these uh, Thai, uh, some of those uh, th- Muay Thai uh, influence kicks to Shingo were really snug. There were a lot of really good chops, hard lines in this. Shingo's in his hometown, so you know he's motivated. Hanare's in a big match, he's motivated. Both these guys are real good. This was just a slugfest back and forth. This was not one guy laying down selling, selling, selling. This one went back and forth and was stiff for the first 15 minutes. At about that moment is when Hanari got his first big tackle, that kind of rampage move mm-hmm. there, and he damn near submitted Shingo with the Ultima, his version of the Full Nelson, and a really nice little run there where it looked like he might have Shingo knocked out cold. And you know they're arguing about whether or not it should be stopped, and uh, Shingo did rally, however, and managed to get the uh, Made in Japan, but Hanari kicked out, uh, which is a, a you know it's usually a setup for the Last of the Dragon. And Hanare kept escaping from that. He didn't hit it. He would just keep escaping from it at the last second. And after a headbutt exchange between the two, uh, Hanare was able to get the streets of rage and get a clean pin on Shingo in Shingo's hometown. So we have another possibility or another step toward King of Pro Wrestling clash between the two. We already saw Hanare pin Shingo once. So they're starting to plant this seed that maybe this is a bad matchup for Shingo. Uh, that he just uh, just doesn't quite fit uh, what Shingo's doing in there. That Hanari might be the wrong guy for him to face because he's now lost to him twice. This match was terrific. It did not look like Shingo was carrying Hanari. Hanari was right there with him, and I always knew that Hanari was better than they were letting him look when he was in, uh, you know, when he was a baby face when he was part of Hantai. I always knew that he was better than. That because he was mostly just the guy that put over other people in that group, and he was that a little bit for the United Empire. But uh, this Aaron Hanare that we're seeing right now is a really strong uh, wrestler, and he's kind of falling into that Shingo Takagi, maybe even Ishii kind of bruiser mode mm-hmm. where it's just going to go in there and have these real stiff matches. We've sort of lost Togi Makabe from that as he's aged out of that group. This might be another one to join in with that group. Goto is one of them, where you can just put them in. You know, it's going to be a stiff, hard-hitting match. I enjoyed the hell out of this, if you can't tell. No, I'm with you. Uh, it was a fantastic match.
1: I, I got to give a lot of credit to Shingo Takagi as well. Um, oh, sure. This dude is down for anything. Like, he can be <laughs> the IWGP champion, or he can be fucking around king of pro wrestling and willing to just go all in on whatever it is. This guy loves pro wrestling. Just flat out. He, he embodies it in so many ways, shape, or form. When he comes out there and he comes out with the dragon mask and the robe, he he is 100% the gimmick that he is living. And then he goes out there and doesn't matter who his opponent is, he's giving it his all. If it's a King of Pro Wrestling title match or if it's, you know, a first round New Japan Cup match or, you know, ELP matches, everything that he's got going on, I cannot say enough. The Shingo Takagi is just down for anything as a pro wrestler, and I applaud it. As for Aaron Hanare, this might go down as one of his signature matches. I hope that he has opportunities to deliver more at this level into the future. But uh, there are a lot of people that when they you know talk about Aaron Hanare matches, they might go back and refer to this one as one of the favorites throughout his career if ever pressed.
0: And we have a comment here from Brad Reader, who's uh, thanks, Brad, for catching us an hour early. I know we might have thrown some people off by going on a little early. We're glad you're watching. And he just said this is the best Hanare has looked, and I love it. He's been a great standout this tour. Absolutely right. I mean, he, he, this has been a really good tour for him, and not just in the results sense, eh, his wrestling as well. So good to see. I, I like the dude. I, I liked him back when he was in Hontai. I wish he had gotten a better babyface run, but ghetto in ghetto we trust, and he had uh, bigger plans for Hanare mm-hmm. than that. So uh, off we go with that one. So that was, uh, that wrapped up that show. At that point, Jeremy, it was the end of the first round. United Empire had every single member still alive in the tournament at this point. Half a dozen guys? All six of them. Now, both members of Aussie Open, Hanare, Ocon, Cobb, Osprey. As you look at this, do you feel like this was, I mean, obviously it was intentional. That's a silly thing. I almost said, do you feel like it was intentional? That's a stupid thing to say. Of course it is. But, is the sense you're getting here that United Empire is being elevated by the overall performance in the tournament, or was it just to create some matchups in the second round? Was this a concerted effort to make United Empire look like more of a, a threat going forward? I, I, I feel like there was a message sent here that this faction is um, perhaps more important than, uh, than just Osprey, which has uh, sort of been the, you know, it's Osprey and then a group of guys. I think that they're starting to push the idea that it's more than that.
1: We're getting kind of an existential thing with New Japan when you ask that. So I think it's more of a reminder than a declaration, because we have four big factions in New Japan as we speak. We have Bullet Club, we got Chaos, we got LIJ, and we got United Empire. For all intents and purposes, Hauntai, Just Four Guys, House of Torture, uh, strong Style, they're all a little bit lower tier and not, and even TMDK, they're all a little bit lower tier than those four right now. Everybody has a title. They're all dispersed equally. Every faction has a little bit of something representing them. Uh, they have something. Everybody's got a little something. So, except, actually, no, no, the United Empire does. They have the junior heavyweight tag titles. <laughs> uh, so, I think it's more of a reminder than anything else. And I think it's just, we're going to go into the next three to six months and United Empire is going to be everywhere. They're going to be in the best of the super junior. They're going to be in the G one. They're going to be at forbidden door. They're going to be at Genesis. They're going to be at dominion. uh, When all the other factions may not be as prevalent and dominant, these guys are going to be on the cards and everywhere. And it's just better for new Japan to have them positioned in a strong uh, in a strong spot because they're going to be on a lot of cards going forward. That's just it.
0: More than once, by the way, you mentioned United Empire being everywhere. More than once, there has been mentioned in, in backstage comments where very little happens by accident of a female member as well, or members, uh, perhaps something uh, leaning over into stardom, which is I, I think is kind of exciting there too. So
1: there that was could- something else that happened, and I don't know if it's anything, if it's news or noise. But I've been saying for a while that Leo Rush would be a great <laughs> member of United Empire. Well, it may appear that Robbie Eagles is, in fact, the newest member of United yeah.
0: Empire. Made sense so, because, r- remember, they were the birds of prey. It was Will Ospreay yeah. and Robbie Eagles when Will was with Chaos still. And they were a tag team and a jun- and competed for the junior tag titles and everything else. So... There is a history there that would make sense. Uh, you know, at first, Eagles never really feuded with Will when he turned heel. Eagles was a junior, Will was a heavy, and Eagles, frankly, wasn't really at the level where he would have been would have appeared competitive with that. So Eagles coming in, they have junior tag. They have a junior heavyweight tag team. Eagles could be the junior that goes after the singles title. Right. He could be the guy that goes for Hiroma, and then they would have every base covered. Yeah. So. If I
1: remember correctly, Eagles was Bullet Club, then he joined Chaos, and now he's with United Empire. Right, El Phantasmo
0: brought him in as a heel initially, and he bristled at the cheating.
1: Okay, so I hope that this is the stable that he stays with for a while. Uh, I do not want him to hop around. Uh, Yeah, that's what it was. It might have been one of the Tamashi shows. Actually, okay, now let's read family. this
0: here for the folks that are podcasting. Apparently, TJP this is from Brad Reader again, who's helping us out here big time. Apparently, TJP offered Robbie Eagles a United Empire armband at a show in either England or Australia. So, it could be, uh, either it could, like you said, it could be Tamashi, could I be think something, it was with yeah. All right, well, hey, that's hey, and and he got into a bit of a Who did he get into a Twitter spat with as well uh, that Robbie did? So, yeah, could be that he's uh, starting to lean toward that direction, maybe not as happy in chaos. So uh, one of
1: my predictions may not pan out, but that's okay. Robbie Eagles is immensely talented, and him being in United Empire is pretty awesome.
0: And, you know, it's still I don't think it hurts to have uh, somebody with a little bit of a he, you know, possible heelish edge in chaos there. We're seeing a little bit from Okada sometimes, but, uh, you know, and, and Leo Rush has a bit of an edge to him that I, I do enjoy. So, uh, yeah, lots of ways that could go. And and Robbie Eagles, again, that's a really talented dude. So if he comes back to the New Japan rings, uh, either as a tag team wrestler, or, you know, he was stuck with. Tiger Mask for a while there. And I felt that was a bit of a waste of Robbie's talents. And so I would like to see him in a, in a better spot than that.
1: Yeah.
0: We're moving on to the 11th. Now we have to go to Nagoya and uh, the Aichi province. This one was a bigger attended crowd. 2,190. This was a bigger uh, crowd than the rest of the tour. Uh, again, we had uh, more drama. This one is straight tag team match. Finlay and El Fantasmo teaming up to face Kosei Fujita and Zack Sabre. Uh, on this one, now, again, ELP still baby-facing at this point. And then they took it a little bit of a step further. Uh, there was a back rake spot set up. So, you know, of course, we've seen all the back rakes that ELP did for a long time. Well, he set that up after he got a tag from Finley that was more of a chop across the chest. He comes in. And he climbs the ropes, getting ready to do the thing where he jumps off and then just rakes the guy's back. But instead, while he's standing on the top rope, Finlay goes and suplexes Fujita. Like, you know, what are you waiting for? I'm here to wrestle. I'm not here to goof around. And so he just kind of left ELP standing there on the top rope with nothing to do. ELP eventually tagged Finlay with a slap across the face. Finlay slapped him right back. There was a bit of a slap fight breaking out in Bullet Club as Ghetto tried to get them focused again. Uh anyway, Finley ended up beating Fujita with a blue thunder bomb. But for eight minutes and seven seconds, this was a pretty solid second match on a card. I mean, there was a
1: lot of shenanigans, but it was also telling a very consistent story throughout the whole thing. And like I said, we don't know which way is up and which way is down with Bullet Club. But it definitely from the outside looking in, Fantasma and Finley do not want anything to do with each other, and the feeling is mutual.
0: <laughs> Lots of uh, sun spots in the next one again. It's House of Torture, uh, Togo, Evil Show, and Yujiro against just four guys. Uh, they they had a lot of fun again with the whiskey spots, but uh, and this one, uh, I, Evil and Taiichi really clashed and sort of chased each other around the arena a little bit. That could be going someplace. I don't, I don't know, but uh, Evil and Taiichi that that was had the intensity in this one while everyone else was. Uh, doing more things that were having uh, they were having fun. Evil and Taiichi seem pretty pissed off at each other. I enjoy uh, Taiichi. I really. Oh do. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm in the time. Ta- I'm a big uh, Taiichi fan. I think the last few years, in particular, the guy has just stepped up multiple notches as far as 100%. work goes and interest and everything else. Uh, pretty entertaining match next with uh, Leo Rush, Ishii, and Yo against Bushi, Hiromu, and Shingo. Again, Ishii and Shingo, you can't go wrong. And he, and it doesn't look like we're going to go wrong with Leo and Hiromu. So a fun match there. And then, uh, yeah, we had uh, the United Empire with Fletcher, Davis, and Osprey over the Bishamon, uh, Goto and Yoshihashi, and Honma. And you can guess which one did the job there, of course. Uh, that was uh, Davis beating Honma and just teased a tiny bit of dissension since Davis was going to be facing Will Osprey in a the next round. A little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Here's the thing about that is I don't think anyone believed for a second that either one was going to turn on the other. I, no. I think ev- I think everyone in the world knows that they were going to have a good match and then shake hands afterwards. So there's no reason to overdo this, but you always want to put a little bit of tension in there.
1: They, they, put, they put a little bit of pepper on top of stuff in this match, just a little bit, just totally. to make you think that Mark Davis – you know, If he, if he got Will Oxbridge at just the right moment, he might have a chance.
0: Yeah, they made it look pretty good, too. The special tag team match was next. Intriguing Woo. thing to put on a card, isn't it, Jeremy? This Woo. is one that you didn't really see coming when they announced it. Oh, what are they going to do with this? Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada teaming up in a straight tag team match against Ren Narita and Shota Umino. So, Very classic case of uh, present versus future, I would say. Um... Not quite the past. I mean, obviously, Okada's the World Heavyweight Champion. Tanahashi's still a, a draw. And uh, Narita and Sho, uh, Shota certainly certainly uh, part of the future of New Japan. We got the bully version of Okada here. Uh, he, he was a kind trend, of a... trend. A pattern. He was, <laughs> he, he was a jerk to these guys. And it got a little chippy. They took exception to it appropriately. I thought that Narita and Umino showed appropriate backbone in this, too. Standing up to the guys, even though uh, the story of the match was very much that Ren and Shota aren't there yet. No,
1: they are not.
0: And uh, But this was a treat for the fans, I thought. I, I did feel like Kevin Kelly's commentary was a little bit off in this one, saying they were run out of the gym, because I actually think Okada and Tanahashi did a pretty decent job of putting over a few counters and some selling for uh, the guys. So getting run out of the gym, I thought, was a little bit strong. But I understand the story they were trying to tell here. Uh, in the end, it was a rainmaker on Narita, but Shoda made the save. Uh, Shoda took the uh, elbow and the high fly flow combination. Uh, no, excuse me, Ren did, and then another uh, rain. No, 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 Shoda did, and then they managed to get another rainmaker on Narita once Shoda was pretty much eliminated. After that, jumping pretty much elbow humiliated fly, fly.
1: Narita and methodically eliminated the, both of them until kind of like, okay, I'm done with you. You're gonna get your rainmaker. Like he he. Okada offered him like, all right, I'll give you a free punch. And Rina's like, you're damn right. I'm going to take it. He ducked it, got wrist control, gave him a lariat and just put him down. Yeah. And it was, yeah. there was a patheticness to it. And that was intentional know, on Okada's part. Like he wanted no. to make it look like he wanted to kind of embarrass him in some way. And in, in a slightly heelish way, I'm maintaining that Okada being slightly heel is very deliberate for the last couple of weeks and he was subtly heal in very little ways uh much like he was to kiyomiya in which he is disrespectful to these younger wrestlers that dare to come at him
0: well the yeah i did think it was interesting too that shoto amino basically hit an okada drop kick on okada mm-hmm. uh, and did a did an irish whip reversal and hit a drop kick right there that kind of stunned him they gave him a little bit. I, I, I don't think this was the squash the way it's been made out to be in some cases. Either way. This is the what, beginning
1: of the story, man. Yeah, the it's, it the is story the story of these guys. That's, and, that's right. And they needed to be embarrassed. They needed to be embarrassed in just a little bit, and which they are motivated to come back hungry and fight in the future. I, I like that.
0: I like that the dream team is starting to coalesce a little bit too. And uh, they never had before. Like their record as a tag team, isn't very good at all. They just haven't really gelled. And that's been part of the story. And uh, they lost to Bishamon because specifically they aren't tag team wrestlers. And they talked about that. It was like, you know, Bishamon's the best tag team in the world. We couldn't, you know, we were good singles wrestlers, but we couldn't compete with their uh, coordination and cooperation. So Afterwards, in backstage comments, Okada said he wanted more tags with Tanahashi in the future and was interested in making another run. It feels like uh, losing that match to Bishimon has uh, gotten to his pride a little bit. He said, "Well, I can't have this now. I got to do this. Right? You know, now we now we've got to go and do this. So he wants more tags with Tanahashi. We'll see if that pans out. But uh, some of the other comments there, I mean, Narita's a man of few words in those, so he just basically vowed revenge. But Shota says uh, this match showed. Uh, where he is versus where the very top is and he understands how hard he has to work to get there so like you said the very beginning of a story rather than uh the end of anything
1: these were these were two pairs of singles wrestlers tag teaming and the team that has a slight more familiarity with each other won this one handily. that's the story
0: up next, we had Tetsuya Naito and Chase Owens. This one was worked in a New Japan main event style, and uh, means that it went, kind of went slow at the beginning and built. Uh, I can't really say that Chase kept up with him because he didn't. He uh, <laughs> Chase were, uh, eventually hit a very awkward-looking style clash off the ropes. The styles clash uh, took uh, way too much cooperation, uh, obvious cooperation for my taste there. I didn't think that looked all that good. Uh, he attempted a package pile driver, but Naito got him with a victory roll. It was 18 minutes and 7 seconds, and I can't say I had a whole lot of notes on highlights for this one. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't a great match. And uh, Naito did what he could over there, but I'm this was not Chase's best work. Chase is,
1: I think I mentioned this in the Discord, someone who I believe is highly respected in New Japan because he has been there when a lot of other Western talent have come and gone over the last six years. He went through the COVID protocols. He was doing all the work for them. And even if he was a one and done, they made sure to give him an attempt to look good against Naito and perhaps even give the appearance that he might have the upper hand and potentially win this, even though he didn't. It just says more about the respect that he has gained in New Japan from the company proper than anything else. I'm glad that he's not going forward. Naito was the right guy to win this if he was going to uh, beat ELP, and uh, now we can move on from it.
0: It's uh, good for me because I had Naito win the whole tournament, so this would have really Ooh. screwed me up. Ooh, yeah. Now
1: yeah, we'll get the we'll get to the bracket update at some point.
0: <laughs> Sonata and Kenta was the last match of the night. Uh, surprised that to find out Sonata was three and zero against Kenta coming into this match in singles uh kenta ended up okay amusing thing where kenta played it that he didn't know how to do the paradise lock so he just grabbed some athletic tape and taped his his ankles to his uh his ankles to his wrists uh, that would be sonatas and just set him down in a fake paradise lock where he was just tied up right there he left him there for a while red shoes did absolutely nothing just stared at this whole thing going down um uh, And, uh, again, this isn't their forte. But, uh, finally, Red Shoes decided to go ahead and get Sonata loose. And then he refused to count a pin after uh, Kenta had taped him up. Uh, Later on, Kenta bumped Red Shoes after falling on him after a pin attempt kickout. So, Sonata kicked out of a pin. Kenta did an exaggerated uh, kind of a kickout where he landed on Red Shoes, kind of on purpose, the idea that he was going to try to bump Red Shoes. And uh, after that, he started tearing up poor uh, Sonata with chair shots, including one to the head, which was done professionally. He kind of knows how to handle that. And one of those chairs that kind of gives rather than a solid metal uh, seat on it. Uh, That was to mild booze from the fans. (laughs) A a double stomp led to a kickout. Sonata rallied, got a TKO and a moonsault for two. Uh, Then we got another ref bump. Uh, and <laughs> after that one, Sonata managed to hit that new version of a DDT that he hasn't named yet. That's the one that looks almost like a Crossroads or a Blade Runner, but ends up in a DDT. And uh, that was after they exchanged some really bad-looking belt shots. And what I mean by that is Sonata had... So the belt, the, Kenta brought the belt into the ring, the, the New Japan Strong title belt. When Sonata was in Skull End had him in skull land rather so kenta's bent over backwards quite literally and uh sonata's squeezing the life out of him he had to lean over at an awkward angle so that kenta could reach him with this belt so he had to kind of get into a position he's never in in that move so that he could get hit in the head with the belt then they fought over the belt a little while longer and kenta had to hold the belt in an unnatural position as he's doubled over for longer than he should have before Sonata managed to make his way over and kick the belt up into his face. Took too long. Didn't look right. Uh, Again, second match in a row here, Jeremy, that I thought was fine. Wasn't great. Uh, Two pretty good wrestlers, but I don't think this delivered.
1: It was fine. You know, I think Sonata winning was the right call. I kind of eyeballed Sonata and Kenta for the strong title at some point down the line, and I feel like the closer we get, that seems kind of, like a reality of what we're getting, Sonata and Naito. As much as uh, Sonata versus the winner of Evil versus Osprey could be whatever it is. I don't know. It just, just feels just feels like the ceiling for Sonata right now, even though uh, a lot of people would like for him to go a lot further in this uh, tournament.
0: Well, we had that one, and now we're heading over into Shiga uh, on the 12th. Now, this was uh, just under 800 came to this uh, show. And we had uh, more shenanigans with ELP, uh, this time in a match uh, against just four guys. ELP had Doki in the Tree of Woe, and every time he went to do a move to Doki, Finlay would just push Doki off the ropes so that he couldn't do it. And so, again, more trolling of one another in this one uh, than anything else. Uh, any other notes from the undercard in this one, Jeremy?
1: I was delighted about Kenta's birthday.
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> it was the his whole, birthday. They sang to the
1: him. just baby Kenta legitimately, like, touched about people celebrating his birthday. I don't know. I, I told this story a little while back uh, about being outside of the Santa Fe Civic when Kenta was leaving. And, uh, and he was just hustling down. He wasn't entertaining anything. And I was on a stairwell. And I was just like, thanks for the great match, Kenta, take care. And he just kept on walking, hand raised. <laughs> and this was the Kenta I wanted to see. Just like, oh, yeah, you're wrong. Well. Oh, this, this makes me happy. <laughs> like, the whole thing. And I I 100% believe he was playing it up for the Bullet Club ankle <laughs> in a lot of ways. But uh, you know what? I enjoyed my popcorn and candy when it came to that. <laughs>
0: There you go. And so there were a few uh, preview tags again. Nothing uh, particularly new on that. Again, United Empire uh, looking pretty good in theirs and and working hard. Uh, Fujita looking good in his and working hard. You had uh, the LIJ against Chaos where you got more Ishii and Shingo, more Leo Rush and Hiromu. 10-man
1: tag was pretty good.
0: That was a real good match. Yeah. A lot of energy in that one. And, And it only went 834 and there were 10 guys involved. So everyone could go full speed ahead, but they did. And uh, they really shined in that one. I, I enjoyed that match, that was a fun eight, a fun eight minute match, yeah. Right, and right. then we had uh, a couple of longer matches for the New Japan Cup. Uh, and then this, this is the second round. And if I was disappointed by what happened in uh Nagoya, this is a these. <laughs> Boy, these were terrific. And so the first one was uh Aaron Hanare and Tama Tonga now. Again, more Thai-inspired kicks from Hanare that looked really good. Another even match. Uh, it's getting to the point now where he, he's not playing the... He doesn't have to be the the bully that dominates in order to make him look like an equal. He doesn't need to do that. You can just have even matches with these terrific wrestlers. He hit a rampage on Tomatonga. looked great, and got a close two count. Uh, he had... Uh, there moves now. The... Both the uh, Streets of Rage, the full nelson and the gun stun from tamatanga these moves complement each other really well in that you can counter one into the other effectively so you saw a thing where a gun stun was countered into a full nelson you know when he when he reached up to grab the neck of hanare to pull him down for that gun stun hanare blocked that and then the arms were right where they needed to be for him to lock in that ultima version of his full nelson looked great Tama escaped the streets of rage uh, and hit Hanare with a uh, rough headbutt a rough looking headbutt. It wasn't uh, rough, it was worked, but it looked good. Streets of rage were countered again into a gun stun. That looked terrific. And then the second gun stun for the win. Uh, this was really good. Hanare, again, having a very strong tournament and even in defeat uh, ended up in a, having a match. He's already got the King of pro wrestling title ahead because he's pinned Shingo twice. So didn't need to win this one in order for Hanare. I feel to come out of this tour looking stronger than he has top
1: level. Tamatonga. Every time he's told to deliver, he delivers in 30 minutes or less. Let me tell you, <laughs> uh, I just great match. Hanare, the right man won. by the way, Tamatonga yes. should be moving forward on this one. Uh, but yeah, you've covered the main basis, the, the basics on this one. Hanari looked great. Tamil looked great. Uh, they really really getting the gugs done over as uh, a move that you don't want to get hit with. And when you do, the match is more or less trending to be over. So uh up across the board for this one.
0: Hiroki Goto and Kyle Fletcher were next. Now, of course, Fletcher has already beaten one half of Bishamon, the IWGP, World Tag Team Champions, so now he gets the other one. He beat Yoshihashi, now he gets Goto in the second round. And I, my notes on this one, Jeremy, are is that they didn't use the ring so much as pass through it a lot for the first ten <laughs> minutes of this match. A lot of work on the outside in this one, uh, which was fine. It all it all went fine. They got they would get back in the ring, but then tend to tumble, jump, or fall out of it. And uh, Fletcher hit a really good looking tombstone for a two count. It became a very uh, common and, I, and by common, I mean very well executed big move main event match where as things build and build and build, it's two really good wrestlers hitting big moves on one another. So it's typical for a New Japan main event, but typical in the sense that it's something that's really, really good. You know, we're used to those kind of really good main events and we got one here. Uh clever move with the uh, GTR in the corner. He didn't have Yoshihashi to hold the guy's legs up, so he managed to catch Fletcher when he was in the turnbuckle. And uh, so his, really cool. his feet were up on the second rope. He turned into a GTR there. And then an Ushigoroshi another GTR, uh, finished it off. Terrific match. Fletcher really shined in this one. We know what Goto is. We know he's a terrific wrestler. We know he's a terrific worker. We know he can make any match look like a real bruising battle. Fletcher was particularly outstanding in this one. I really liked his work and it made me want to see more Aussie Open matches on one hand, because I don't think there are a lot of tag teams on that level anywhere. So I want to see that, but Kyle Fletcher as a singles doesn't hurt my feelings either after watching some of this (laughs) stuff, but don't break up Aussie Open. This is not, I, I don't feel like anybody should be broken up here as Aussie Open's too good, but Boy, Kyle Fletcher has a bright future in this business, doesn't he? He's pretty young.
1: <laughs> he, he's definitely going places. And he's even gained about 10 or 15 pounds of muscle mass since, uh, about nine months ago. So he knows that he's got to look a little bit bigger and a little, little bit leaner. And he hasn't really lost a whole lot of his agility, which is which is really tremendous. I was thinking about it when you were talking to this match and looking at him with the cape. Uh there's a, and I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out real hard here with Aussie Open. There's a Lego and Gimli kind of vibe between them, where like you got the dwarf and you got the elf, and they're working together, and they're just an unstoppable team.
0: Can you run? Could you run that reference through Google Translate for us that don't know Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Okay, <laughs> pardon, me. pardon me. I I, I read. I read The Hobbit when I was in grade school, and that's about. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, so far uh, So Legolas
1: behind. and Gimli are are a troll or a dwarf and an elf that uh. Uh, should not get along, but are an incredible <laughs> pair with each other. Understood, uh, okay. just unstoppable. And when I look at them, I kind of I see the bruiser and I see the uh, the agile magician, and you just they they just work really well together. And I know that you want Bishamon to have a long. Healthy, fruitful tag title reign, but these uh, two are knocking on the door, man. You, you can't deny them for much longer.
0: No, and and that's going to be fine. I, I think they just want to reestablish those tag team belts with uh, with Bichamon. I just feel like that's where they're headed with this, and I don't see that as being a knock on Aussie Open at all. And I think one day they're probably going to have a good run with those titles. As always, anytime you're talking about a foreigner or a foreign team foreign from japan you have to wonder just how much are they available and that's always going to play into whether they get a run with the belts we saw what happened with ftr when it doesn't work and the titles end up on ice for a long time now aussie open doesn't have the complications that ftr had with the politics involved and 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 everything else but you know, you always wonder when there is a non-Japanese, people who don't live in the country, uh, you know, how much does the company feel comfortable putting belts on them? Are they going to be able to get those dates? And all of that are, are X factors in addition to talent that goes into who gets runs with titles.
1: It still amazes me to this day that gallows and anderson were considered to be safe bets for so long and yet everyone else that ever comes through like i don't know about those guys
0: (laughs) yeah well i mean yeah they they, they definitely (laughs) but ghetto i'll say this about carl anderson not necessarily gallows i don't know personally i know how ghetto felt about anderson because there are multiple stories of him saying to people like, that's my guy and pointing over at Anderson. And they're like, what do you mean? And he just said, like, Carl Anderson. He said, when I need it, when I need somebody, when I need a good match, he uses Carl. And for years that was the case before they went to WWE right there. So, uh, you know, he went to the G1 finals yeah. once, Yeah, uh, you know, Anderson did. So he held uh, tag team titles i think with what was it with goto or something like that they won the they might have won the tournament or something like that so uh, Gall- change though. <laughs> yeah yeah gallows and anderson had had the in for a while there where they had a, a higher level of trust with the booker than uh, most do so
1: spent a lot of capital uh, on a never open weight title while at wwe a lot yeah. of capital was spent by a number of people over that one
0: you know, it, that, that situation, they just got stuck. And I, I I still don't understand the heat on Carl Anderson on that. And I don't think I ever will. Uh, I thought Carl was just trying to to lose the belt in the ring. And he got caught up between uh, two different companies that, that couldn't quite decide how. But uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. Anyway, uh, moving on to May. This is the most recent show here. This is on the 13th, just yesterday morning. 604 people in attendance for this one. And uh, we were in... Shingo Takagi's hometown earlier in the week, this is Kosei Fujita's hometown. And he was in the second match, teaming with Zach against Shota Umino and Tama Tonga, And they gave Fujita a lot in this one. They knew it was his home crowd. He's also the only young lion in the match. Remember, he's still a young lion, even if he's with uh, Zach. And he did do the job, but they did a wonderful Crab Boston crab spot with Tamatonga, where he suffered in it and fought his way to the ropes. And it's one of those things that they do with young lions where he's almost at the ropes, almost at the ropes, almost at the ropes. And as he's reaching for them, the guy pulls him back to the center of the ring and sits down. And that's when you get the tap, right except this time he goes to tap and he smacks his hand down just the once though, not a full tap out and then muscles his way to the ropes and gets it. And the crowd popped beautifully for it. They were really happy. And then he got a really close near fall and before finally succumbing, uh, in, in this one. So, uh, terrific match and, uh, you know, 10 minutes, 55 seconds and, uh, just a little sneaky, good match early in the card.
1: Uh, yeah, you pretty much nailed it on that one. Tamatonga and showed Umino, taking their picture at the very end Mm -hmm. there was a there's just general vibe like these two guys are going to be big players in new japan over the next two years so them teaming with each other probably going to lead to them winning more than losing if that's going to be a pattern
0: there's also a funny comment afterwards from zach saber jr in the post-match comments where he said people say you're supposed to be the next tanahashi as long as your entrance is, you're more like the next Naito. It takes 10 minutes for you to get to the bloody ring. <laughs> he ain't wrong. He's not wrong. He is no. not wrong. Uh, yeah. Oh, Colin, you're watching there. Colin Matthews uh, joined us here. Thankfully, Colin, we did start an hour early. That's my fault. I've got a, I've got a, a football match to get to tonight. And so uh, we, we are a little bit, uh, a little bit going, going a little bit early today. So we definitely appreciate you coming in.
1: Hi, Colin. And- How are you?
0: and let's see any other notes on the thing oh yeah the uh el Fantasmo and and Kyle Fletcher really looked good against each other in a United Empire bullet club match this was mm-hmm. Finlay Fantasmo and ghetto uh so ghetto was there to take the loss in this one uh, against great Ocon Kyle Fletcher Aaron hanare uh ocon uh, of course was going to be the guy that gets the win here he was the only person in the match still in the tournament that yeah, with well with finlay but Ghetto was there. And uh, so lots of Fletcher selling. Fletcher was Ricky Morton in this one. Uh, Hanari and Okan uh, just had a little cleanup duty later. Uh, but interesting stuff again with uh, the clash with Finlay and Phantasma. And here's the point now that we get to it, uh, Jeremy. This is my prediction for this, that this is more of a, an Uso false turn and why I'm feeling this way. I feel like Phantasma was leaning a little too hard into the baby facing after the match. You know, he's, he's, he's being a little too cuddly with the fans. Also, I think uh, in this case, with this thing, a double turn would be tricky for this reason. You would have to have them face each other and someone would have to lose. It can be done. I'm not saying it can't be done. But at this point, I feel like Finlay really needs to be established as a high-level heel. Mm -hmm. So he can't really lose to El Mm Phantasmo. If you switch Phantasmo babyface, I think you have... Too many plans ahead for El Fantasmo to have him look like the chump that just puts David Finlay over. So, I think what we're going to get at first, at and maybe even in the finals, is El Fantasmo teasing that he's gonna do something to Finlay, but then is Bullet Club all the way right now. Whether or not that lasts is another uh, item. But I think at least for a few months, they're going to go with the idea that Finlay is the leader of Bullet Club who perhaps rules a little bit more through being uh, through fear than being uh, anyone that the guys really rally around, just the idea that he's not nice to these guys, he's not a buddy of theirs. But I don't see them doing that because somebody would just have to lose, and I think Ghetto has too many plans for both of these guys to have either one just lose a feud right out of the gate. So I think it might be a thing where we're going to establish Finlay, establish Finlay, establish Finlay. Then later on, when it's when it's okay for Finlay maybe to lose or when we were feeling good about Elf, Because, you know, you, when you switch a guy, they usually, in New Japan, get a strong run. There's not too many guys that just turn and then sink down the card. It's usually a rallying point for them. And uh, that would be tricky to do here when you're trying to get Finlay established to then have them go against a babyface El Fantasmo and have one of them in the way New Japan books cut off at the knees with with losses. That's just my theory on that, that at first they're going to try to get along and we'll find out that Fantasmo is uh, actually a jerk at heart.
1: I I think you're probably right. They've already done quite a bit to tie Finley to the face of Bullet Club. And if Bullet Club is to remain strong, Bullet Club fracturing at the top level under Finley does not make Finley look strong. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form. And so unifying the faction of being like, oh, yeah, we tease being good guys, but we're actually bad guys at heart, and we're going to lean harder into that. That really does seem like where we're going with here. So I think you're probably on the right page with that.
0: And that again, that doesn't mean that down the road, these two don't eat each other. (laughs) But for now, yes. right now. That's my prediction for the the. Uh, it could even be the finals, you know. If if Finlay makes the cut. finals, yeah. If Finlay makes the finals, that could be the big angle at the end where he does the screw job on whoever. And so that if he's in there with a baby face like Shota Umino, or even uh, or well, it would be shown. I guess on the bracket. But if he's in there against a baby face like or Naito or something like that, that could be how they don't hurt the baby face too much and get Finlay over as oh, this guy's not only. Uh, good but he's also really you know sneaky and willing to do underhanded things so uh jay white didn't have too much outside interference in his matches maybe finlay will be one that does
1: yeah well so, uh finlay is not the counter-based wrestler so uh his know. bag of tricks is going to be different than what uh jay white used to introduce he's a he's a fighter he is a brute brute strength and force to win the day when david finlay is around
0: there you go so we had uh L I J. This is Bushi. Well, was the, this was an all skate. I call him uh, the back going, going back to my uh, back to my uh, roller skating days. There, it's an all skate. Everybody in uh, Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, Sanada, Shingo Takagi, Naito against Chaos, which was Yo, Ishii, Leo Rush, Goto, and Yoshihashi. Fifteen minutes and sixteen, or fifteen minutes and, fi- and sixteen seconds of energetic wrestling. This one was another high energy one, and everybody looked like they were having fun. Shingo got the win over Yo with a pumping bomber but uh, just another match where everybody seemed to be uh, enjoying working with each other and uh, yeah, moving at a high speed. And I enjoyed this one anyway. I I thought that this one was worth going out of your way to see there. Party match, you you know,
1: every so often you just want to see just a bunch of bullshit thrown at a wall and (laughs) a bunch of wrestlers just going at it and and just kind of freestyle jamming with a finish in mind. And this is what it was. It was just a bunch of guys just going out there and, you know, doing their craft on a, on a weeknight kind of thing. (laughs)
0: So let's go into these New Japan Cup matches. We're into round two again, and we have Evil against Jeff Cobb. Hijinks galore in this one, huh? So you expect that. Now I wondered how they were going to do this because United Empire accompany one another to ringside, but they don't interfere. That's one thing that's been fairly consistent. They don't really interfere very much. House of Tortures, all they do is interfere. So how are they going to do that with United Empire right there? Not only that, Great Ocon was on commentary.
1: <laughs> they figured out a
0: way. So here are the hijinks in this one. Dick Togo just blatantly interferes. Doesn't seem to realize that there are United Empire guys around. So they would chase him off and things. Finally, they just grabbed him. Aaron Hanare and Kyle Fletcher grabbed, <laughs> grabbed, Dick, or gra- grabbed Dick Togo and just began carrying him out of the arena. Just grabbed him and started bringing him up the aisle right there. Didn't beat him up, just just going to carry him and I'd imagine toss him in a dumpster out back is how I pictured this. And uh, they were attacked by the rest of House of Torture before they could do so, however. So after that, we had Ujiro uh, out there, Sho was out there, uh, others. And they all, all attacked. And Evil even went over to the broadcasting position, somehow produced a pair of handcuffs, never did see where those came from, and cuffed Great O'Connor to... The rail and great O'Connor was doing Japanese commentary, and uh, that so he was stuck after that. There was a rough bump that I didn't even see quite frankly. I, I, I'm i not sure if it was on camera <laughs> or I was just kind of scanning the arena for one of the 20 different brawls going on around the ring. But finally, the referee is down, all the members of the house torture surround Jeff Cobb and just beat him down in a weird way. It put over Jeff Cobb because it literally took every Yes. single one of them to do it. Uh, so uh, it, it it didn't kill Cobb in the way because, you know, four on one, what the hell do you expect? Uh, eventually he did succumb. Uh, everything is evil, but that wasn't the finisher. I mean, he was beaten down by the entire group and pinned. So it gets evil into the quarterfinals. It gets another member of United Empire out in the second round. Uh, could have been worse. Uh, again, I mentioned it before. This isn't what they do well, but this was a... wasn't good, but it wasn't a... Uh, it. Was, was a better version of it we usually see it was a better version that we usually see
1: uh jeff cobb as much as we all wanted him to win this match i think deep down we knew that he wasn't going to because the match of jeff cobb versus will osprey is not something that they're gonna uh give us anytime soon it feels like but i will tell you that what endeared me to this whole scenario more than anything else was looking at the social media afterwards and watching the <laughs> pictures of great Ocon sitting in an empty arena still handcuffed just <laughs> forlorn <laughs> upset just all by himself it was it was absolutely tremendous
0: <laughs> it's worth mentioning by that? the way that okan that okan they yeah. no, haven't seen that i'd love it though that okan it's worth mentioning that okan uh stayed handcuffed the rest of the night. Like, nobody came with a key you know, and, and got him out. So the, the rest of the card, poor Great O'Con is, is absolutely stuck. Yeah. And in and, and an awkward position, too. Like, he has to lean over the table very uncomfortably. So uh, nobody uh, came to help the poor dude. So, uh, yeah, that, anyway, his commitment to that was was entertaining. And it also gives – it's a, evil is feuding with, like, 5 isn't he? Because he's got – uh taichi seems particularly upset with him I and mean, he's been throwing around threats and comments uh and then he he is of course going after rennerita and the never open weight six man tag team titles and then we have this and this there is a way for this to pay off too uh if they want to uh, with great okan being pissed off for being handcuffed to the rails so uh evil just uh ruffling many feathers
1: he's a jerk
0: what do you think of that brad here when does bullet club and house of torture come to a head do you think they will i am surprised that house of torture which is allegedly part of bullet club has been absolutely zero part of the david finlay storyline whatsoever we just they haven't commented on it they don't seem to care and they wholly separate from bullet club now even though they really aren't what's your thought on that
1: Well, I am waiting for the big moment of it to happen. Like, there's got to be a catalyst, and it hasn't happened yet. I feel like the House of Torture is an offshoot of Bullet Club. It's kind of run its course in general, but they're comfortable with the stable, even though whenever I see the House of Torture, I feel like they as a group are running through the motions. And so... Mm. When it comes to a head, I'd like to see it around the G1 or beforehand and maybe make it a running story through the G1 before they just kind of wrap the whole faction up before the end of the year. But I don't know if it would be a quick Band-Aid ripoff or like a slow wound healing that they play out for a long time. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's a, it'll eventually... They'll have to eventually. I think the G1 might be the way to do it there's a little bit too much going on in this one. And you already have the El Phantasmo mm-hmm. controversy, so they're not going to mm-hmm. get into it here during, or in the immediate aftermath of it. The G1 might be a part where uh, there's something on the lines of uh, they end up in the same block and get that whole, well, you know, you're going to do the right thing, right? You know, up here, I'm not <laughs> even in your group anymore, you know. So it could be something like that. But, yeah, it, it feels like that needs to be addressed at some point. Well,
1: I hope we see it eventually. I do have a gift for you though before we move on to our next topic.
0: See it. There, there it is. <laughs> He's still there. <laughs> oh, somebody somebody bring him a sandwich. They, they, got, they, a got the, they
1: got the janitor in the corner doing the mop up.
0: <laughs> so fantastic. That's wonderful. I didn't know they did that. That's wonderful. Yeah, that, somebody oh. bring him an Onigiri. I forgot to say, somebody's bring, gonna start. Brought me so much somebody joy
1: when I saw that it endeared me to the entire angle.
0: <laughs> get him some, get him some chickie from Family Mart there. Just get the oh, poor guy man, something.
1: He had, he had a happy ending. He ate food with friends and da-da-da.
0: Okay, all right. As long as he's okay, we don't want anything all happen right, to Great Khan. Yeah. We got one oh, more yeah. match. To cover so we had, night? we have one more match to cover here. it's Ooh. Will Ospreay, so this is our intersectional match up here, both of these members of the United Empire and will worked very hard to put over Davis's power early in this match. a lot of spots where Davis was simply overpowering will at one point and this could end up being a key moment uh, in the next few months in New Japan depending on how this turns out, Jeremy, Davis threw the ringside mats over will Osprey the idea being that Osprey could not see, davis anymore no, no, and then
1: no, he no, no. did a <laughs> date hmm? no well, Oh no 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 i was like no no this is bad all bad
0: <laughs> yeah oh i see what you mean okay so he throws the mats over on top of him then he goes and does a senton on will now mark is a big man so is will to be fair but he seems to have hurt will's shoulder in this now of course he didn't do that intentionally and it, but it was uh it seems like there was a bit of bad here and that Will might have injured his shoulder when davis crashed down on him will being will toughed his way through this thing and uh, if anyone can wrestle a match with a bad shoulder and still something out it's uh, will osprey uh, he gave uh, davis a lot he kicked out of an os cutter in this thing and uh, there was a, a spot that looked like it was going to be the off the top rope Spanish fly. Both guys are standing on the top rope in the corner. And instead, Davis just lariated him, just gave him a, mm-hmm. a lariat. And he backflipped back into the ring. Uh, he did another one of those backflips when uh, selling a lariat from Davis again, just putting over the idea that he was wrestling train. And my favorite spot of this one, Jeremy Davis is standing near Osprey's head, and Osprey's legs come. Up, he grabs Osprey's legs. So now Will's back and his head, are kind of to the mat. His legs are up in the air. Davis just grabs his legs, yanks him up into the into a tombstone pile driver in like one fluid move.
1: Wow, Rod that was cool. And,
0: looking. And, and, <laughs> I, I was watching this match. With my girlfriend, we were up uh, early watching this one. We having our having our coffee in the morning, and I just said, "I've been watching wrestling since 1983, and I don't think I." Have have ever seen that and i i cannot think of a time i've seen someone do it in that way it was very very cool uh and uh yeah he really is and will is will and made him look fantastic uh which isn't as hard in the assignment as other will matches because davis is really talented so he's not that he's being an untalented guy along which osprey is absolutely capable of doing but mark davis is mm-hmm. terrific uh did a really nice sell of a move into the corner, set himself up for the hidden blade, and then Will delivered a really good-looking hidden blade, pinned him, and, of course, shaking hands afterwards. This was 20 minutes and one sec. Felt like five minutes. I love this match. I I have liked just about everything United Empire has done on this entire tour, and this was the uh, icing on top of that cake. I loved it.
1: This is one of those matches where it's not going to get a whole lot of credit at the end of the year for being as good as it, it was because it's frankly in the middle of a bunch of good or great matches that we've been introduced to in the new Japan cup. And so when people are talking about afterwards, of what matches should I go back and check out? This is probably one of them that you should definitely go back and check out, but it might even be better than just a match on the cup that you should go back and check out. Time will tell, but, this does seem to be a pretty special match.
0: Yeah, it felt really good, and uh, Osprey moves on the tournament, and he'll be facing uh, he'll be facing Evil. Looks like so. so let's got talk f- about two
1: matchups and what Friday?
0: What? Yeah, we got some stuff. Friday is Great O'Con against David Finlay, and Shota Omino against Zach Saber Jr. So let's take a look courtesy of Chris Samsa here who put together our stats and jeremy who put together this nice little graphic for the folks on YouTube here in uh new Japan cup history this is the second uh new Japan cup his first in a couple of years David finlay he uh, went to the semifinals in 2021 his all-time record three and one. Singles record against his current quadrant is, uh, well, now it's one and two. He's got a win in there against Ishii. and uh, So I guess he's four and one in the tournament total now. His uh, single record in the last 365 days, he is eight and five. And uh, some interesting notes there. Uh, He had only wrestled Yujiro Takahashi and Zack Sabre Jr. in his quadrant before. Now he has a match against Ishii, and he's about to have one against Okan. And he reached the final four, like we mentioned, in his debut two years ago. So that's Finlay, and uh, I, I'm expecting another Finlay win. I don't think the wheels fall off the uh, cart quite yet for Finlay. I think he's going pretty deep in this tournament.
1: So you're saying there's a precedent for him making the Final Four before the New Japan Cup?
0: <laughs> it's happened before. It's going to happen again.
1: What about Great Ocon?
0: Great Ocon. It's his third entry, third in a row. Uh Didn't make it past the uh, Sweet 16, uh, and now he's in the Final Eight. So, you know, that's... a uh, uh, that's one, so he's got a no, no, no. This was 16, isn't it? This is around 16 coming up, okay? See, there you go. So, this might be uh, it might this might be his wall here, Jeremy. His all time New Japan Cup record now three and two, uh, four and three against his quadrant. Uh and this, of course, uh, the graphic that I'm reading here uh, came before the tournament began. And Ocon has a win. Uh, his uh, singles record in the last 65 days uh, was listed as 10 and eight going into the tournament. He's never advanced past the round of 16. And oh no, he had a first round bye this year. So his cup records two and two and three and three against the squadron. So I'll get this right eventually. Uh, uh, (laughs) So his tournament will begin in the round of 16 this year. And like I said, uh, against David Finlay, it's gonna be out for him.
1: Yeah. I believe that he cannot enable his claw based maneuvers because his wrist is too damaged from the handcuff injury that he maintained.
0: Plus, he might still be cuffed in that arena somewhere. That's what I'm saying. He might it might be a forfeit. He might still be there.
1: I think, I think we figured out how we're getting around this match because Great O'Conn is an obstacle for David Finley to get past.
0: Yeah, yeah that'll be fine. All right, what and else then- we got here? Zack Saber Jr. So we have uh, he has a a buy in this one here. So he'll be facing Shoto Umino. His all-time New Japan Cup record is one of the strongest. He's been in six consecutives. He has won this tournament twice in 2018 and then last year. 13 and three in the cup singles record against the Squadron is nine and three in the last 365 days. A very strong 16 and five shows you that he is a singles wrestler. This company takes very very seriously. He's one of uh, only five guys who have won multiple New Japan Cups, Tanahashi has, Goto has, Yuji Nagata and Okada each have, and uh, Sabres' eleven submission victories is also a New Japan Cup record.
1: It would be quite a feather in the cap of anyone who managed to beat the winner of the twenty twenty two japan cup who is facing him next oh this guy got it
0: show amino so here's our uh, history with him uh he is uh, his second entry is first in four years though uh he, i guess he was a young lion when he was in there the first time he yes he was eliminated by hiroshi tanahashi in the first round back in 2019 so uh, he got a win earlier in the tournament so he's now one on one uh in both uh, all time and in his quadrant his singles record in the last uh 365 days only two and four. Uh, I expect him to get a win here to set up a couple of things. One, a bit of a push for him, and then also to establish the idea of him facing Zach for that TV title, Jeremy.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I feel like him sneaking out a win over Zach Taber Jr. after 15 minutes might be a proper story for this match, leading into something with uh, a 15-minute time limit going forward.
0: There you go. That is the 15th. And then we'll have more matches on the 17th at Corican Hall. But that'll be quarterfinals. And for kayfabe reasons, of course, we don't have a card for that one because I mean, theoretically we don't know who's going to face who, do we? So uh, here's your bracket. You got Sonata, Tetsuya, and Naito. We're going to be seeing that one. Those two face each other. Uh, Evil and uh, we mentioned I guess their...
1: this is a totally updated. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Evil and
0: Osprey. We'll we have Evil and Osprey. We'll have uh, Goto and Tamatanga. That's an interesting match right there. And then uh, we'll see. Uh, well, and then like I said, we'll we'll see Finlay against Gradokan, Shota and Zach, and that will take care of the second round. And we'll be on to the quarters after that. Steven, are you
1: are you ready to break for impact in some way, shape, or form? Because I have something that we need to look at, and it is our bracket.
0: <laughs> oh my lord! All right. So how do we now? You know, this isn't terrible, is it? No,
1: no, we did we did pretty good going forward. I don't think that our uh, our finals are going to be on point, but I think <laughs> we read the room pretty good going into the uh, going into the final four.
0: Well, of course, my my personal opinion is that Naito's winning this thing. I'm going to stand by it. But, yes, when when we worked with Scott Edwards here to create this bracket, uh, we came up with a final four of Sonata, Osprey, Shingo, and Shota. Three of those four still in the tournament. Uh, Shingo uh, went out early, but we had – excuse me. Sorry about that. We had him – my goodness, that's embarrassing. We had him beating Hirooki Goto. In the uh, quarterfinals, Godo's still in it. So that's not terrible if that works out that way.
1: Finley and Shota Umino in the bottom quadrant. I'm feeling pretty good about that. That little combination. Evil and Will Ospreay is already confirmed. We went seven for eight-ish. <laughs> yeah. In the eight. In, that's all right. We are not win. gonna we... we're not going well. We're not it's not gonna be well for us further on. It's not yeah. gonna be pretty, but we, yeah. for, for here on out. I'm, I'm gonna say we did all right.
0: No, I think we tripped over our shoelaces into something fairly <laughs> decent here. That's, that's not so bad. That's not so bad.
1: Collaboration from Smarty Pants. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh boy, there you go. Now the real uh,
1: break for Impact, and Infra- for uh, the real break for Impact and Infra- uh, Infra- Next week, we will be having Mike Gilbert join us yeah. for a special Multiverse United preview show. Yes, it will be 10 days in advance, but we want a lot of people to watch the show because there's a lot of smart people talking about this match. The reason we're bringing it up now is because <laughs> three matches were announced this past week, yeah. uh, two of which have New Japan talent, but we will get to that shortly. The first one will be Mickey James, Diana Perrazzo, Gazelle Shaw, and Miyu Yamashita in a knockout world championship four-way match. That's going to be good. This will also be good. Mm-hmm. The Impact World Tag Team Championship match with ABC, the Ace and Bay Connection, Aussie Open, the Mighty Don't Kneel with Bad Dude Tito replacing uh, Mike, Mikey Thorne, Shane Haste and Mikey Thorne. Mm-hmm. And then the Motor City Machine Guns.
0: Oh, Mikey Nichols.
1: Mikey Nichols. I couldn't remember the last name. Mikey Nichols and Shane Haste. But Tito is replacing Mikey Nichols. Uh Hayes had mentioned previously that Tito was still a part of TMDK, and this is confirmation of that. And then we get this weird match, which you and I are going to try and make sense of right now. Well, don't forget
0: the Motor City Machine Guns are in that match.
1: Oh, yes, I had it and I forgot. And the Motor City Machine Guns, who were the Impact Tag Champions, lost it to Bullet Club just a few weeks ago, and this is their rematch clause match. I would have gone for a one-on-one, but hey, I'm not the (laughs) Motor City Machine
0: hey you're not the booker here so what else <laughs> no, we got I'm not.
1: okay so we have multiverse united fred rosser Alex coughlin sammy callahan and pco versus eddie <laughs> edwards joe henry tom lawler and J.R. kratos fact of the matter is new japan loves 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 their mystery vortex matches this is a mystery vortex match you have heels and faces on both sides you have Lawler and Rosser who have beef with each other. You got Coughlin and Kratos who have beef with each other. I'm assuming Eddie Edwards and PCO have beef with each other. And eventually Sammy Callahan might be challenging for Joe Henry's digital media impact world title, which I believe he has. And if I got that wrong, Mike Gilbert will tell me I was, I was wrong next week. That is in addition to... Oh man, how many magic do this fucking thing have? Josh Alexander versus Kushida, okay. Will Osprey versus Mike Bailey,
0: That'd Moose
1: versus Jeff Cobb.
0: Okay. Hmm, that's it. Now that one's interesting. That'll be a, that'll be a that'll be a car crash of a match, and a in my, a good way, right? Those are two very strong men.
1: My prediction. My prediction, oh. and I have nothing to base this on. Okay. Kenny Omega shows up at the end of that match.
0: Ooh. Well, you know, he and Cobb, right?
1: That's what I'm saying. Jeff Cobb looks that match and we move on to the United States Championship match. Trey Miguel versus Rich Swann versus Frankie Kazarian versus Kevin Knight versus Clark Connors versus Rocky Romero for the Impact X Division Championship. In a complete New Japan match, we have Kenta versus Minoru Suzuki for Mm -hmm. the Strong Openweight Championship. Mm -hmm. And then we have the three matches that I previously mentioned. This will be on Thursday, March 30th as part of the package of wrestlemania shows that we have going forward in the world of wrestling around wrestlemania goes hollywood and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be one of the more exciting shows that we that i think we see there so uh do you have anything to add to that
0: no i i'm, I'm except that i'm looking forward to it like you said there's there's some interesting stuff in there and some matchups that uh could lead to things down the road i like your idea about omega showing up i think that would be quite exciting And uh, if that works out, Uh, so yeah, and and Cobb versus Moose just as a whole, I'm I'm fascinated (laughs) by. There's a lot that could go both right and wrong, I suppose, right? (laughs) So we'll see where that goes. And they, they, uh, they teed that Kushida match with Josh Alexander
1: at Battle in the Valley when Kevin Knight got the pin. But Kushida still had the hoverboard lock on Josh Alexander when the, pin, mm-hmm. the uh, submission was going on. So they've been building this in a few ways. And, I, and we'll get Mike Gilbert on here next week. We will go over it in a full preview in the New Japan Cup, and we will discuss that. And instead of a history lesson this week, I went to the Discord, in yeah. which you can join... By emailing gg at fightgamemedia.com and let him know. I'm speaking of strong style, you'd like to join the Discord and maintain conversations like this. But I went into the Discord and I asked for people's top three match challengers for an Okada title defense in 2023. So I got a couple of responses and I'm going to read them out to you now. That's it. Brad Ryder said that he thought Brad Taichi... Ryder's getting
0: a title shot. Oh, wait, no. Brad
1: Ryder would like to see Taichi. David Finley and ELP have a 2023 IWGP heavyweight title shot. Mel okay. Gray would like to see Will Ospreay, Zach Saber Jr. and Shota Umino get a 2023 IWGP world heavyweight title shot.
0: I would say at least two of those three are fairly likely.
1: Fairly likely. Paul Fontaine would like to see Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, and Ren Narita get an IWGP title World Heavyweight title shot.
0: I would enjoy any of those matches. Joe Gilbert would like to
1: see David Finley, Shooter Shota Umino, and Hiromu Takahashi get an Mm. IWGP World Heavyweight title shot. Okay. And then to finish up, my three were Will Ospreay, Taiichi,
0: and Yoda Suji. What about you? Yoda Suji. My Yoda Suji. Yoda Suji. I love me from Yoda Suji, baby. Okay. Well, wow. There you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to see, I would love to see Taichi get in there. I just don't see a path to it at the right. moment. And I think we're, I already think we're going to see Naito again. Uh, I think we're going to get that one. I do think we'll probably see Finlay before the end of the year. And, uh, the other one that I would really enjoy seeing, uh, similar to what made a couple of lists, Zach Sabre Jr. I'm in for that. Yeah shoda in 2023 i think might be a little bit early i'm not sure that match is ripe yet Mm -hmm. but man it's going to be terrific once it finally hits the ring and Shota's sort of ready for that match i was
1: resistant to him at first but he's growing on me
0: oh i like the game i I really like shoda and i think
1: the whole thing the presentation starting to grow
0: yeah yeah he's he's I, i like him a lot i think he's a real talented guy and he is working very hard Mm-hmm. Uh, both uh, with the fans, you can see it in the gym because his body has transformed in the last few months, looking real strong. So he's
1: aware there's scrutiny in his position, and he's uh, he is not giving anyone any reason to call him to task.
0: But with the long hair and the bleach blonde and the color of his uh, various various colors of his tights, when he faced off against Tanahashi, it <laughs> really was like looking at two people coming out of a time machine. You know, it was uh, really striking.
1: If you think about it, you got, I was making jokes that Master Wado looked like Okada's kid brother, and now you got Shota (laughs) Umino looking like Tanahashi's kid brother. Of the kid brother look, shooter- definitely won that battle of cooler cooler younger brother look
0: <laughs> he's doing he almost doing a Tanahashi cosplay in that whole yeah, a thing. little and bit the, little and bit. then you have and then of course you have the son of strong style so there you go it's all the way through they're trying to recreate it all so jeremy we're almost out of time this one went really quickly it feels like uh tell us about your uh, socials anything else you want to get in before the end of it
1: We're going to do Five Stone at Twitter. I barely use it other than to advertise stuff on (laughs) fight game media because Twitter is a hellhole, but I love you all (laughs) anyways. Uh, We will be doing a multiverse united pre-show and post-show. More details to follow through the Speaking of Strong Style portal. Uh, Yeah. Conway, what do you got?
0: Well, of course, I'm at Stephen Conway 88, uh, Ringside Replay. I was just on the Five Star jersey show. I was on with Garrett uh, Gonzalez on the on the uh, the road, uh, WrestleMania centric uh, show that we have here on the Fight Game Media feed. Make sure you look for that. And next week, we'll be back at our regular time live on YouTube. And then afterwards, a few hours later, wherever you get your podcast, we're going to go back to our regular time next week. I've got a football game to go to tonight. I'm excited. Uh, we need four. We need goals tonight, Jeremy. We need four of them. We need four of them to get to to get through here. So I
1: hope all the balls hit the net, buddy.
0: <laughs> Let's hope it happens. For Jeremy Finestone, I am Stephen Conway. May all your balls be in your net. And until next week, we'll see you next time. And speaking of strong style.